Well, happy Tuesday and happy holiday season. Welcome back to Naming in an AI Age with the Namestormers. So we're halfway through December. Holiday shopping, festivities are full in swing. So Mike, I want to kick us off by asking an interesting question. What is the most complicated part of the holiday season for you? Oh, wow. Well, I have a long list of things that I always want. <laughs> Unlike some folks my age that so it's always a question of, you know, what's at the top of the list and what do you put down at the bottom and what do you buy yourself and then wrap and put underneath the tree like from Santa? Oh, I got a present. It's one you gave yourself because you know you really want it. So probably oh, shouldn't wow. share things like that. But That was a surprising answer. Have you been a good boy, though? Is Santa going to bring you what you want, Mike? Of course not. Not not a chance. In many ways, I have not lived up to um, the expectations I should have lived up to. What about yourself? Bummer. Okay, the most complicated thing for me. So I have four kids. That's just complicating in pretty much every way possible. I will say it also makes it like four times the fun to have four kids in the holiday season. But living in Texas, this weather is really complicating in the holiday season. My five-year-old daughter woke up this morning and she has this like beachy tank top on with Hawaiian flowers with this uh -huh. grandma sweater over it with these tiny shorts and then these winter boots. And it looked awful, but it kind of reflect, it reflected the complicated weather we have here, which is like blizzard in the morning and summertime in the afternoon. Um, but that it paired with trying to make all the holiday parties at school happen because so-and-so needs a book for the book exchange and the, someone else needs sprinkles for their cookie decorating party. And then all the parties are at the same time. And so I need to clone myself, you know, for all four parties. So the complication never ends. Um, but I'm going to transition, transition this over into naming, of course, because that's why we're here. Is it complex or is it complicated or are those the same thing or are they different? And why the heck does this matter? So Mike, kick us off, you know, why is it important to talk about naming being complex or complicated? Well, most naming consultants are going to tell you it is very complicated. It's very complex. It's very hard because that's how we all justify our fees, right? That's why we get to charge so much. But, you know, we've been doing this for decades. And so quite honestly, it is both, right? It is it is complicated, and, and that is not a deal breaker for many of our clients, right? If it was just a complicated process, once you have the process down, they could probably nail it. The problem with naming, much more so today than when we started this firm back in the 80s, is it's also very complex. And I think that's that's why these DIY approaches that a lot of folks try, we'll, we'll just do the employee naming contest, right? We can come up with a name ourselves. And usually the results are disappointing and there are all kinds of problems towards the tail end while the name wasn't legally available or the name didn't fit our positioning. All these things come up that end up costing you a lot of time and a lot of frustration. And in some cases, you know, a lot of money. And so well, we'll go out and ask customers. <laughs> well, the problem is customers aren't thinking about the next product, right? The next thing you guys are coming up with or the next company or the next whatever. They're sort of grounded in the past, you know, and so Jobs at Apple was, you know, famous for doing this. You know, he did things that anticipating what that customer would want, you know, that that little eye shuffle that fit in his jeans pocket and was super small and had a thousand songs on it. 
blew people away, but trying to get someone to think about that in advance and get suggestions from customers in advance about just the product concept, much less what you would call it, is tough. So naming's complicated. Um, and we've, you know, we've been trying to do things and nail this process. And if it was simple, it would have been nailed years ago, and none of us would still be be in business. So then what's the difference between naming being complex and naming being complicated? Are those not the same things or is there a difference? Yeah, there's been a lot of discussion, I think, off and on about what's complex and what's complicated. One of the articles that I, I've, I've liked is actually back from May of 2019. So it's a few years old. And it was in Fast Company. It was written by David Benjamin and, and David Kamlos. And it talks about how a complicated process might involve lots of steps, but it's linear, you know? So once, once you've figured out what those steps are and you've solved the problem at the end, then you should be able to do the same thing over and over again, right? And, and you should be able to use that same solution, you know, over and over again. And, and so an example of that, you can't see my logo. So I don't know if anyone can see you. If those of you that are watching this on YouTube, I have the Texas Longhorn on my shirt. We now know that Texas is going to destroy the University of Washington dogs in the Sugar Bowl before they go and beat probably Alabama in the national championship, but that's still to be decided. But anyway, in football, you know, if you learn how to block, if you learn how to tackle properly, that same process is going to work, you know, over and over again for most players with some exceptions. So it's, it's fairly linear. It's fairly static and, you know, you can sort of think about, hey, the same thing's going to work. And then that, you know, from a naming standpoint, that's very seductive, right? Once we've nailed it, once we figured out all these steps, then, you know, it's going to just follow that sequence. You could do the creative, you do the testing, you do the trademark stuff and you've got it. And that's not always what happens. Okay. So then tell us why doesn't this idea of the same process working every time, why doesn't it work? over and over again for naming. Yeah, and that's where it gets to be complex, right? So complicated things tend to be maybe many steps, but they tend to be linear and they tend to be fairly static. Like, you know, there's certain rules of, of physics that if you follow, you know that the, the, the SpaceX rocket's still gonna take off because the rules of physics don't really change. Process is complicated, but you've nailed it and you're gonna get that rocket off the launch pad. Unfortunately, things that are complex aren't, static right the rules change and they're changing all the time they also tend to be you know multi-dimensional and so i think back when i was you know a teenager watching tv there were basically three major networks abc cbs and nbc and, and that was pretty much it you might have a pbs you might have a couple other channels and so from a, an advertising standpoint to be an effective advertiser it was pretty darn easy, right? You you put ads up on one of the shows, you, you look at the Nielsen ratings for the show, you know how many viewers there are, and you can tell pretty quickly, hey, that ad's delivering the eyeballs that we need to generate the sales. And then of course you can tie the, the sales that follow with the ads. Today, it's so different, right? And you think about just recently what Taylor Swift did with this, this Eros tour, you know, she sort of changed the whole ball game. Like who could think that a a musician could have a concert and make so much more money by making a movie of the concert, right? And and then all the endorsements and all the, the the fashion trends that sort of follow what she's wearing. So you have this 
juxtaposition almost that now you have these very well-known personalities or personal brands that really are taking center stage. And, and a lot of folks that are younger, uh, and even I don't appreciate this, but I think there's even less tolerance, Megan, for probably your age as a millennial or younger Gen Zers. If you're watching a show or if you're wanting to be entertained, you don't have much appetite for an ad to interrupt you. Back in the day, we didn't have a choice, right? We had to sit through the ads because we had no choice. Today, you can just click a button and you're watching a different channel or you can use a DVR or TiVo and you can blow through the ads. So the whole world of marketing and advertising is not just complicated, but really is complex because things are constantly changing depending upon the age you're targeting, depending upon what it is you're selling, how you even reach those folks. You know, it's all about inbound versus outbound marketing and not to get you know too much into the weeds, but you know, traditional outbound marketing was sort of that advertising, right? That pushing the message out and interrupting and trying to convince people this is something you really want. The inbound idea, which I think is why things are more complex today, is, is trying to create content of interest, right? Trying to provide value and pull people into uh, an ad or a marketing campaign or promotion so that they feel really good that you're you're meeting their needs. And so they want to come to your site. They want to buy your products as opposed to you sort of pushing that out to them. And that's one of the things I think that makes this thing so complex. So let's talk more tangibly about how this and more specifically about how this applies to naming. Yeah, and there, the, 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 the challenge here is, and I think for folks listening to this, this is, is going to resonate. What you are naming changes the answer to so many of these basic questions. So for instance, what makes a great name? Well, that depends on a lot of things. It, it's not the same answer for every product type or company type. And it's not even the same answer for the same products from different companies because it's based upon budget, it's based upon competitive situation and lots of other things. So for instance, if you're naming a brand new brand, right? Something that's not out there at all. Then what makes for a great name? The answer to that question might be really simple. One word, memorability, right? If the name cuts through the clutter and if it's really easy to remember, then you then you can get them to take the next step, right? You get them to click through the website, you get them to try the product and get them to do whatever it is. So for a brand new name that's not out there, brand new category, brand new product, brand new company, uh, the answer to that question is, you know, is it sticky? Does it, is it memorable? Can they recall it? You know, all that kind of stuff, which you have to have before you can start building brand and preference. Okay, let's take a totally different name. Let's say you've got a brand out there. Let's say you want to come out with a new variety, a new flavor, a, a new type of, of scent, suntan that offers greater suntan lotion, offers greater UV protection. Well, then you don't want a name that's necessarily memorable at all. You want a name that describes what it does, right? How it's different. And so you think about, well, memorability just gets in the way of the of the major brand, you know, the, the primary brand, but a more descriptive or suggestive name that really clearly telegraphs what the flavor is or why this line extension or this new variation is better or why it might work for you on one occasion, but not some other. So that's just two, those are just two examples of why, what it is you're naming. And then the other thing, of course, is how much money do you have to spend? 
Um, we've had clients come to us and say, well, we want a name like Apple. You know, we want a name like Google. Or we want a name like Nike or we want a name like Tesla. And the answer is, OK, how many tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars do you have? Not how many thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars you have. It's millions. And how many months or years do you have to build the brand? It's not days and it's not weeks usually. Because names like that that are very distinctive and that trademark attorneys love because you tend to be able to register them easier. You tend to be able to protect them. They afford you stronger legal rights just by the fact that they're arbitrary and they're so different. The problem, though, is they don't bring much to the table. Like if you'd never heard of Nike before, you wouldn't know whether it was a, a line of cooking pots and pans right. or a shoe or something else. So it's this idea that if you have a lot of money to spend, which even our Fortune 100 clients these days don't, right? Um, then you can go with a name like that. But for everybody else, you, you need a name that is more suggestive, that leans more into your value prop, that communicates something about either what it is or resonates emotionally and has that connection so you can remember it. So how you answer that question, what makes for a great name, you know, depends on, you know, what it is, um, what style of name it is, how much money you have to spend. Um, what timeline do you have, and a variety of other factors. And so that's part of what makes this stuff so complex. Well, and I think, you know, what's a great name for one brand or one company is not going to be a great brand name for the same company, even in the same industry. And so it's not just what's a great name for, you know, a cider. It all has to do with your naming strategy and what your goals are. And so speaking of even ciders, can we talk a little bit about some of the specific projects that you've worked on or that we've worked on? Yeah, and I, and I think this goes to um, how this complexity is even more of an issue today than it was even a few years ago. So we've talked about this before on other podcasts, and it's a name that most people are familiar with. So, you know, Boston Beer wanted to introduce a new hard cider, a uh, cider with alcohol to appeal to gals uh, that didn't want the, the high calories that a lot of the beers had or the high alcohol. And so Angry Orchard was the name that we gave them they ended up going with. And Angry today would be a really tough word to have in the name, right? Because I think there's a lot more sensitivity to other meanings that a word could bring to the table and just political correctness today, especially as we head into 2024 and the election, is going to sort of be in everybody's you know top of mind. So that name worked really well because anger related to the alcohol content. It related to those those ugly looking apples that you would never see in a grocery store, but they actually make for the best cider. So angry had a great story behind it, but it's the kind of name that in today's complex world, you know, it probably wouldn't fly and. Even years before we developed Angry Orchard, we came up with a name for Nestle for an ice cream bar that they were bringing up from South America that had done very well in, in Chile. And it was a very long popsicle. Mm -hmm. And so we gave them the name It's a Caduzzi. And so you can still go to a, a convenience store and, and find It's a Caduzzi's and, and Walmarts and whatnot. Well, again, today, thinking about that name, it worked very well because it was long and it expanded the whole wrapper and it was fun. But today, that kind of a name right out of the chute, well, Caduzzi, big, you know, a lot of concern about body shaming and obesity in this country and proper nutrition. 
that might have been a harder sell to Nestle, uh, given the conservative nature of, of that organization. So names that you know work at a particular point in time, you know, often either become out of vogue or a little bit too risky. I mean, the whole Native American awareness and the fact that the Washington Redskins, you know, changed their name, and so many of the folks have done this. So that adds this another layer of complexity, I think, to to this whole game. And then you have linguistic issues, and this didn't used to be nearly as big a deal because most folks that we worked with their primary market was the U.S. And, and maybe they did a little bit outside the U.S., but U.S. was it. Well, today, because of the internet and everything else, a lot of folks really do want to be able to go overseas, whether it's the EU, uh, whether it's the Asia-Pac region. But anyway, there are opportunities now that are a bigger deal. And so words that work really well. So we did work on an air freshener years ago for a client and one of the words that we considered that was mist, M-I-S-T. And when you think about an air freshener, you know, that's sort of how it works, right? It's light and it's airy, airy and it creates this, this, this beautiful smelling mist that sort of wafts through the, the air and makes the room feel really great. Well, you can't really use that in certain parts of the world. Like in Germany, mist is, is associated with manure. <laughs> so the last thing you want is the name an air freshener after manure, I can't think of a worse association. And so all these things have sort of been in the naming lore for decades, but they're now sort of in the forefront because of the internet, because there is a greater sensitivity to any possible off-color meaning or political sensitivity. And so that's that's the challenge that everyone's wrestling with today. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think about, you know, yes, I agree, naming is complicated and it is complex, but one of the things that we like to do is make it less complicated. Um, it may be complex, but we can make it less complicated. And I think some of our clients come to us making it more complicated than it is, mainly because they're wanting the name to do so many things. And we've talked about this before, but like we, you know, want it to telegraph what it does. And we also want it to sound aspirational. We want it to appeal to the left and the right side of the brain. And we want it to be short, but we also want it to be really engaging. And, you know, that's making naming more complicated than it needs to be. And going back to it's a caduzzi. Um, you know, the, the main goal for it's a caduzzi was to be memorable, to stick out, to be this zany name that kids would say, that sounds cool. It doesn't say anything about the flavor. It doesn't say anything about even what it looks like, but the main goal was for it to stand out. And so I think sometimes just trying to get that one goal in mind can simplify naming and take it from really complex to more simple. But, um, I think that, anything that you want to leave us off with Mike. Yeah, I think that's a great example. And I think. I think your observations, Megan, are spot on in terms of, you know, the pendulum swings to the far right or the far left, and then it tends to start swinging back. And we've been doing this for, for decades. So we've seen this happen, you know, over and over again. And, and one of the things that we think hasn't changed, and so one of the things that maybe makes naming a little bit simpler is you don't want to go with a name that's super safe. And you don't want to go with a name that's super controversial. You want to go with a name that's a little controversial, a name that raises a few eyebrows, a name that maybe a very small percentage of your potential customers or members really don't like. 
but by the fact that they don't like it, everyone else finds out about it because it's newsworthy. It spreads like organic ether through the social media and universe. And so all of a sudden, people want to talk about a name because the spotlight's been put on it because it has got a little bit of controversy, but not too much. And that's usually a great place to land because then what budget you have to spend on brand building, you really get a lot of leverage from because people have heard about it. You know, the awareness goes up just organically because people do want to talk about the name. And then when you get in there with some brand building dollars, you can start building preference and drive traffic to your website or to the, the order desk or whatever it, it might be. I don't think there's as much tolerance for that today as there was maybe a few years ago, but we do think, you know, the pendulum is going to swing back. And, and we can always help clients, I think, just based upon the fact that we've been doing this for 35, almost 40 years now, in almost every industry, we can provide the, the guidance in terms of here's what's worked in the past, here's why it won't necessarily work today, here's what we think is a great strategy today, and then back that up with you know, marketing research and some other things that we think make the decision maybe not super simple, but hopefully a lot more obvious than it would have been otherwise. Well, we love talking to you about your complicated naming project. Um, and so we would really encourage you to reach out to us. Um, you can do it through our website. You can email us. Uh, you can email me, email me, Megan at namestormers.com, Mike at namestormers.com. We'd love to schedule a conversation with you and come up with a specific brand strategy for you, figure out how we can uh, make naming more simpler for you. We may not be able to figure out your holiday season complications, but we can definitely talk naming. So, uh, and we'll also see you next week on naming in an AI age. So Megan, what's the one thing you want to get for Christmas? The one gift you want to be underneath that tree for yourself? Car detailing. I want car detailing detail my minivan, my mom van. All right. That sounds we'll write, we'll write a note to Santa to make sure that you get your car detailing done around Christmas time. I'm going to be a good girl. It's going to happen. All right. Thanks, everybody.